0: Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, Accredited Investment Fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work-optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show.
1: When you find the right advisor, the
0: relationship
1: just clicks and you know you have found your wingman or wingwoman as the case may be. I'm Patrice Sikora with the host of this podcast, Rob Curtis. Rob, tell us about that special bond and who is typically a good fit for your advisory practice.
2: Yeah, that's sure, Patrice. The podcast podcast's actually called the Millionaire Next Door podcast. As I like to call it, it's it's the overnight proverbial 25-year success story. That, <laughs> that's who I tend to work with and and sort of be that wing wing man or wing wing person for i got a really nice comment from one of my earlier podcasts one of the one of my clients listened to it uh he he gave me some feedback and he said that's really great i really like the podcast and then he said you know that was me 25 years ago oh wow so yeah i felt like uh we were really resonating on very much the same wavelength and that was some nice feedback yep so you have second and third generations right yeah, we have some second and third generation clients. I mean, I consider myself really, um, you know, blessed to have that. And it's, it's just a testament of how long we've worked together. So it's, that's great. Uh, I love it. Yep.
1: So tell me more about the fit, though. What do you look for?
2: Uh, you know, fit-wise, we, re- we spend a lot of time making sure the fit is right with our clients. So when we select a client and, you know, it needs to be sort of a mutual thumbs up. On on both sides that they think there's a fit, we think there's a fit. I'm not really interested in grow, you know, how huge I can grow the practice. It's really about the the intimacy of of the relationship. So the fit would be the chemistry, you know, our attitudinal qualities, how we communicate. We're not really asking anybody to buy anything, no investments, insurance. I mean, that's. We, we have a process and we're asking them to buy into our process and to a, a lifelong relationship. So you talked about wingman. I mean, you're not going to have everyone as your wingman. There's going to be certain people you're comfortable with. You have that relationship you a lot. You rely on. I, I think of Top Gun when those guys are up in the, in the <laughs> yes, plane. Yes. I mean, they're really, they're really in sync and thinking and working together and know each other's trends and characteristics. So you don't find that with really too many people. And and interestingly, I, I was introduced to some new potential clients last week and uh, they, you know, they asked if I interact with their other financial professionals, the CPA, the attorney, etc. And so absolutely do. We're we build that into our process. We work really closely with them. But when, it, when I drill down a little bit more, they don't really have that many other professionals in their life. I mean, okay. sometimes they do, other times they don't. I guess the point is some, sometimes uh, it's hard to find a few really intimate professional relationships you, you really want to go deep with. So that's how we view that. You asked about the fit process. We, we just want really happy clients for life and the fit is is absolutely key. So
1: what kind of timeline do most of your clients have when they when they first come to you? What are they looking at? 3 years or 13 years?
2: Well, no, I'd like to think they're looking at the whole whole rest of their life, to be honest. They'd like to find that one, you know, financial professional or advisory team that that they can work with for life and also legacy out to their you know, their next generation, that second and third generation, or we have people introducing us to their, their children or adult children, their grandkids. I I spoke with a gentleman yesterday, who's just about to have his first great grandchild. And he's gonna him and his wife want to make a gift of, you know, 10,000 bucks to him, you know, to get or him or her, I can't remember. (laughs) But this is coming up. And so Um, I think they want to transition them through, you know, through their whole, whole lives. You know, if it's a couple, they certainly, if someone's going to go first, they want to get through both of that, but also make sure their, their children are taken care of, you know, or or whatnot. So I'd say it's a, it's an ongoing relationship and they're not anxious to once the fit and the comfort, they, they don't want to change, change the wingman and the, um, you know, in the ninth inning or if they're an extra innings. Yeah.
1: I think you're mixing your metaphors there, but I like it. Yeah, my, <laughs> I like it,
2: <laughs> Now, in the
1: past, we've talked about your process, your philosophy, and a lot of it really makes a lot of sense. You compare the physical and financial well-being. Talk to me about that.
2: Yeah, I've especially during the COVID and the pandemic and the lockdown, I think everybody did a lot of thinking, and I, I certainly did a lot of thinking, but one of the parallels I drew was a sort of, I'd always been really into physical health, but I, I did a lot more thinking about the ways I do that, the way I live my life, my practices, my processes. And so I changed a lot of those, and I and I also do a tremendous amount of thought, you know, within our team of it's really our process, you know that that people buy into and those processes. So I drew this um, connection that I try and verbalize, but I certainly have top of mind you know financial health and then and also your physical health and they're two they're really tied together and there's some parallels so so one of the concepts i came across and use quite a bit there's a pro- process called stacking and what i mean by that there could be multiple processes we're using with clients or or even just with respect to your own health any one of them on their own is, is important and makes a significant contribution. But when you do a number of these processes or, or things or practices and you, you know, collectively or synergistically, if you're doing for your health, if you're doing eight or 10 things really well, those stack together really nicely and, you know, put you in a position of, of being in better health, right? Or, you know, staving off COVID or getting through colds or avoiding them, Etc. Etc. And the same is true in your financially. So, let me explain a few of those with respect to the physical side, and then some of our processes on the um, you know that we look at the on the financial side. But that's that's the parallel. There's a term I use called the four doctors, and this is actually you know, we're, we're actually primarily responsible for our own health. I mean, you do, you want to go see the doctor periodically for regular check-ins and whatnot, or if you're really sick, but but it, most of them will tell you it's better if you just stay away, if you monitor your own health and you don't, you don't need them, you avoid getting sick, et cetera. So the four doctors I, I talk about, this is in a big level, would be, I mean, sleep. It became aware to me how important sleep is, it's, it's really probably better than any medicine. It's really important for your, you know, your immune system, for your ability to pay attention and for me to, to be present for clients, to be there for my family, you know, for my community, you know, and, and it's, but we live in a society that sort of de-emphasizes it, right? Or this whole, will, will sleep you know I'll sleep when i'm dead or or work into the wee hours or get up crazy early and then you don't i can live off 4 hours of sleep that that's really suboptimal your body'll pay a price so sleep is really key and i'll i'll talk about some more about that but i've really dialed that in cuz it's so important for your body's restoration your recovery to be ready for the next day, to be alert, to be on top of things. Movement, I talk about that's another one of the four doctors. I mean, there, there's obviously exercise, and a lot of people are obsessed with going to the gym and crushing a workout and moving a lot of iron and stuff like that. I mean, you don't, that's great, but there, there could also just be movement around the house, you know, simple walks, walking the dogs. Sometimes I think, you know, even if I'm just doing the dishes or moving up and down the stairs, the point is sort of that sedentary lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to just, just sitting in the recliner all day with a remote control and a bag of chips, (laughs) you know, maybe after you've had the movement and the workout, but at any rate, it's important to be moving. Um, Nutrition is really important. One of these four doctors, um, you know, that's that's an interesting area I've spent a lot of time with. And so there's a lot of processed foods out there, you know, and you'd be shocked when you read the labels or all the things that sound healthy. But if you just read the labels and or the ingredients, you'd be shocked. So the, the other the other thing going on, I don't know if you're aware, but a lot of our, from what I understand, our, our soils, you know, across the world are, have become very depleted of Minerals and nutrients, and so people think they're getting all these, you know, even eating vegetables and things like that. They think they're getting all this great nutrition. They might not be getting what they think they're getting, because of all kinds of overtilling and a, a lot of industrial processes. And I, I've heard, I've heard that in, from qualified people in the 1950s. Like, like a head, of, like if you ate a head of lettuce, like today, to get the same nutrient dense or quality or all that vitamins and minerals, you'd have to eat like 25 heads of lettuce. So that's, that's a
1: lot of lettuce.
2: That's a lot of lettuce. So it, it just drives home a point, you know, that it's, it's become difficult. We really need to stay on top of it, even though we need to know what what's going into our body. And then I'm going to make a parallel later, we need to know what's going into a portfolio. They're not all the same. Hydration is a fourth of the four doctors I talk about. Just really important, even small, small diminution of your your hydration. And it's really impactful on your whole body. And, you know, for example, sleep, I've learned, um, you actually lose quite a bit of water while you sleep. I mean, you've got your anywhere six to nine hours, your sleep, so you're not drinking anything. But just all that breathing, breathing in and out, tends to deplete you. It, it actually uses up an awful lot of water. So, in the mornings, I hydrate quite a bit. It's just really important to get your body hydrated. So,
1: when you say hydration, though, are you speaking totally water, just um, water?
2: Well, everybody's personal. I actually um, I do water, but I I put supplements. I, I actually use a lot of salt, really high quality, like mineral salt, and I have some liquid minerals. And I put other things in there to, to supplement it. So that's part of my process. But it's not just straight water all the time. So, um, But the point is, you know, all these processes are important. And and the stacking of them and regular practice and awareness. Um, I'll give you a few others on a deeper level. Like one of the first things I do when I get up, I've learned, is I, I get outside and I get some sunlight in the first five or ten minutes. This is super, super important. Um, and I don't mean looking out the window, unfortunately, because <laughs> it's a huge, it's a huge difference from actually, even on, it's a cloudy day here in Southern California and uh, late, late August, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's great. Cause usually it's, yeah. you know, could be a hundred degrees. But even on an overcast day, or if you're up in the Pacific Northwest, or if you're outside, it's super important for your body, for your brain, for what's called your circadian rhythm. This is this cycle. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it's sort of like a a cycle in your brain that that that's really important. And I don't know if it ties back evolutionarily to we woke up, we came out of the cave, you know, and we saw we saw light. But just that first five or 10 minutes getting some light, I've heard from numerous experts, is, is really important for setting you up for the next 24 hours for how you sleep and whatnot. And, you know, I think a lot of people's tendencies these days is just, you know, to go straight to their phone, to go to the computer, to check all their emails. Uh, I think it'd be, they'd be much better served if they just got outside for a few minutes and got that light, even on a cloudy day. So I try and do yeah. that.
1: Okay. I thank my dog for that because that's what we do every
2: morning. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, that's good, and that's actually yeah. your dog needs it. Um, I will have to thank her. You know I, <laughs> during the pandemic I, <laughs> I did spend a I've been spending a lot more time with my dogs, and I've learned to I actually observe them quite a bit some of their some mm-hmm. of their habits and behaviors they seem sort of goofy or we laugh at, but some of them are really there's a reason they're doing what they're doing and um so, um, there's actually quite a bit of wisdom in it, but, um, you know, so, so that's a little thing. I talked about hydration, uh, your sleep, sort of a thing called sleep hygiene. Um, it's a whole, I've spent a lot of time in that space, probably cause I've struggled with sleep in the past. You know, sometimes you, you go down, but you, you just can't fall asleep or you're restless right. in the middle of the night. And I mean, it's, it's still, it's, it's an issue. Oh. And,
1: Yeah. So what is sleep hygiene? What does that mean?
2: You know, that's an overall encompassing all your habits around just getting good quality restorative sleep. It's really, really important for your body. And so like getting to bed about the same time every day or every evening, you know, Mm -hmm. um, getting up about the same time, not having various, that that confuses your body. That's why when you travel and you go to between time zones and stuff, it's really, really upsetting, you know, two or three hours, it, it, it disrupts your circadian clock. So doing that, I've learned, I've learned a process in the evening, probably because a little bit of aging, but you know, I need to unwind and stuff. Maybe you're reading a book, um, not overstimulate myself too late at night. There's, it's just a process to wind down, to be ready to go to sleep. And then you want to wake up refreshed and I'm very active you know physically and i compete a lot on some tennis and stuff like that so for your body just all that repair happens during the evening and and even in your brain your brain detoxifies during the evening while you sleep there's a thing i've learned that's called the glymphatic system they apparently they didn't even know about it till i don't know 5 or 6 years ago it's kind of like the lymphatic system but this is where there's a lot of toxic and, and all this stuff downloads out of your brain while you sleep through kind of like a series of tubes and stuff I'm no expert in this but but those are important processes going on in your brain I, mean, I remember when I was in college and studied biology and stuff and uh, I remember them saying things like we really don't understand exactly why we sleep we know it's important you know <laughs> but they're learning a lot more that it's really absolutely critical and I, I know in the military and stuff when they want to they want to like interrogate or break a spy i mean they can torture them you know what they really do when they give them sleep deprivation sleep deprivation will do that's the thing that cracks them more so than you know even physical stuff so anyway so a lot of that together is called you know it's called sleep hygiene okay and um you know, another thing—I'm um, uh, just a lot of things we stack together. I've—I've I've started to do, and I'm not great at fasting. I really like to eat, but I do a lot of time-restricted eating. What this means is, I—I I try to maybe not eat before 10 a.m. in the morning. I mean, most people get up and they just eat their breakfast right away, and I understand if you have to get to work, but. Evolutionarily, I don't think we did that. I don't think we popped out of the cave and just started having a bowl of Cheerios or something. So, you know, they would go for quite a while before they ate. And and then another thing is, to, you know, eating, I, I kind of feel like this older person now, but eating earlier is much better because I can then, um, if you have this time restricted eating, meaning a window of 14, 16, 18 hours, it sounds really hard to achieve. But if, if you just sort of eat a little bit later, and then you you eat you know in the morning and then eat later or earlier in the evening you can restrict this i mean some people dab it down to a 6 hour window or an 8 hour window and i'm not hungry at all i have plenty of energy but the point is you actually give your your stomach and all your digestion and all that and all those organs a lot of time to process all that and to sort of clear out. And that's to clear really out exactly yeah. helpful. And if you eat late at night, it's just or in the evenings or these late night snacks. You know, when it's time to go to bed, your body's doing a lot of digestion. And that's not really good. It should be doing other things. So so these are just little processes I've learned. You know, I I eat earlier time-restricted eating, you know, all these processes stacked up together are working much better. And I see it because I compete physically and I see it on a physical level. And then even with my thinking or interacting with clients or how I show up for, you know, my family or my friends or or my community or those that need me, I'm just more engaged. I don't have the, the, the spikes. I don't have that as much of that afternoon crash. If somebody calls me and wants advice at 30 in the afternoon I don't want to be in the middle of a, a drag or a lull versus someone who call you know we we interact with at 1030 in the morning they they deserve to have the best of me and you would hope the same of whoever your doctor your surgeon the pilot you know the reality is most a lot of people have a lot of swings and so we you know I'm trying to dial that in more now on to sort of the financial planning and, how, and our process as a team,
1: as of, as you've been speaking it it I can see where financial planning will, will mesh with this but but go for it tell us more exactly.
2: Yeah, so it's um you know it's a it's our whole overarching holistic and process. I mean there's a number of these strategies we use but that all stack together. And it's that cumulative or synergistic effect that really produces a result. They're all they're all good, but taken together, and we're always looking to to improve or dial this in even further or or make adjustments. But but let me give you some examples. Um, I talked about the food and the nutrient quality and things like that. Okay, it's really important if we. Custom build portfolios, and we manage them for clients. It's really important to know what goes in those portfolios. They're not all the same. So, if you own a mutual fund or an ETF, under the hood, the the components that make that up could be really vastly different. You know, probably the best example I can think of. There's the S and P five hundred, which most most people know that you know the five hundred largest stocks in the U S very common index, the S&P 500 index. There's actually two versions of this, which most people have no idea. Um, there's a uh, cap-weighted one, capitalization, which most people, that's what's most commonly referred to. And there's one called an equal-weighted. And so the, the capitalization weights these by, by the size of their market capitalization. So Apple is the largest company out there. But Apple, Microsoft. When you look at like Amazon, those are just huge companies that absolutely dwarf others that might be number two hundred or three hundred or four hundred, and and even in the top twenty five or fifty, I mean it's a huge chunk of the capitalization. Those bottom four fifty are much much smaller contributors. The, the the Dow, by you know, is a is a different index, but it's subject to these as well. In the equal weighted S and P five hundred. All 500 of those are weighted equally. They're each 0.2%. So the number one and the number 500 have the same influence on that index. So, in other words, they're just a really different composition. And that's neither good nor bad on its own. It's just sometimes one will perform much better than the other. If these huge multi caps are much more in favor than the smaller ones, then it's going to favor that that one that, that cap weighted if the smaller ones and we did see a recovery earlier this year where the smaller ones picked up a lot of steam it didn't pick up at the beginning of the pandemic and and outperformed then that that equal weight one will outperform so it's really important to know what you own at, over the time the the equal weight is much outperformed the cap weighted one. It's just what's happened historically. So we're aware of that. And it's actually in favor right now, but most people have no awareness of this. And so now, so we know what's in there. We, another process we use is called relative strength. And I'll talk about that. We use software that's, you know, incredible. I mean, it. it we can literally analyze about 30, 38 million relationships every night, And this would be things like comparing which is stronger, the S&P 500, the cap-weighted or the equal-weighted, or which is stronger, U.S. stocks or international or cash versus gold, or or even on a stock Coke or Pepsi, which is the stronger of the two. And I would like to uh, the the old Pepsi challenge, if you remember that. But um, figuratively, you could put the two together kind of like an arm wrestling match, right? If you think of the, you know... Two people are, someone's going to win that thing and one hand's going to go down and the other, and the guy who knocks them down is the victor. So we can compare those two. And if we have a sense of which is stronger uh, amongst tons of relationships, that's a very important factor. Clients, we, we explain that to them and conceptually, but they really don't know how to look through all this stuff and they don't know how to judge that, but we, we do that for them and that's part of our process. Um, the other thing we look at quite a bit is called fundamental analysis this would be all these things like you think of a classic warren buffett looks at the um the price to earnings ratio you know the the debt of a company the management the cash flow are their sales increasing uh, all you know all the price to book all these all these number crunching you know that those are really important and those tend to show you is something is a good value or is it overpriced or is it fairly priced or cheap the other side that that fund the technical analysis of the relative strength will often show you if something's in favor or not if people are buying it if it's moving up like an apple just keeps moving up and up and up it's very much in favor um the, the fundamental is important too. You want to know, say, like what's inexpensive or overvalued, but, but oftentimes something could be inexpensive. The problem is, let's say it stays inexpensive for 10 years and it doesn't move up. It's still cheap by those numbers, but you haven't made any money. And so, but by the way, you know, if you're in your twenties or thirties or forties, that you, you may be okay. If you get a little further on, you're in your sixties or seventies, you know, 10 years is is a big is a a big big thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even Microsoft was really didn't move anywhere for about fifteen years, but I remember about 2014 it really started moving up dramatically. So there was a good 10 or 15 years where it didn't move very much. So the point I'm making here is that we sort of look at both the relative strength and The fundamentals and together that's really important because the fundamentals often tell you sort of what to buy. The relative strength will tell you when to buy it. Now, if you marry those two together, I describe it sort of like playing the piano. If you were an expert pianist, but you only played with one hand and you had the other one tied behind your back, (laughs) it'd still be you'd be pretty good. But now, if, if you were that same person and you put both hands on the keyboard, that would really be powerful. So those two together is is part of our process and it's really important um, we I'll give a few more but we also look at uh, we statistically we look at what's what's we call overbought oversold mm-hmm. now I don't know if you ever took statistics 101 or you remember the bell curve right the all I remember is curve. you can
1: you can say <laughs> anything with
2: statistics yeah well that's true <laughs> but uh, so you're from I don't know if – well, hopefully, a lot of people are familiar with just the, the concept curve. of the bell curve, yeah. right? And so, the conceptually, what that is, is in the middle of the curve, the sort of the fat part, that's where most of a population lies. And if you go out to the edges, the, the extremes, those are called outliers. I call them zones for people to keep it, keep it simple. But you can measure how a population is distributed. And you can use that very effectively for anything, like heights of men, or, you know, blood pressure, where, where are you rank? Are you in the middle? Are you high? Are you low? If it's heights of men, I mean, if at most, you know, if you're 5'10", you're kind of in the middle. If it's a man and he's, you know, five three, he's he's clearly over maybe to the left of that curve. If he's 6'8", he's far over to the right. But we actually have this tracked through every stock out there, every ETF, everything through the software we use. And we get a sense... On the bell curve, is it sort of in the middle about normal? Is it way to the one side or the other? And that's very powerful because it's not a guarantee, but if they're way extended out, it's, it's, there's a little bit more likelihood it's going to want to move more towards the middle. So um, they can continue on in that other direction, and often they do. But at some point, there's a tendency to move more towards the middle. So those are just tools we use that, and we stack all these together. I'll give you just a few more, but we, we uh, through the software and other processes, we we rank. You know, part of our hallmark of our process is a really, you know, rules based, unemotional. You know, we just look at the data and and you know, it's got to fit with the person, but we look at the data. Um, we have everything ranked throughout. So let's say you take the S&P 500 through the software. We can rank them one through 500 in terms of all those stocks and know who's the strongest in that arm wrestling match. So it's no guarantee that number one is always going to beat number 500 or number 250, but it's pretty strong. So so by comparison, I'm I'm a big sports fan, but if you look at if you look at the world golf rankings or tennis rankings or college football i mean if you have a number one team or two team going up against a 25 or 26 or an unranked team upsets happen yeah <laughs> but yeah. they're still they're a big deal and they're, they're pretty upset. rare yeah so most of the time those stronger ones are going to win and we want to have a very strong sense of what that is and you could have a lot of things that were strong, but how do they actually rank out? You know, those teams in college football in the top 10 or top 20 are all great teams, but there's a pretty big difference between number one and you know, maybe number 10 or number 20. Those are all processes we use and we stack all that together. And clients really just don't have a way to, to fully. That's when we, when we partner with them, we try and impart a lot of that wisdom and, and help them make good decisions
1: well talk to me a little bit more about the holistic idea physically financially and how your team works that all together
2: yeah so um that's good we well we talk about the physical health just just because it's been a. Uh, Important driver of, of our process too to be ready for clients, but we we like to let them know that there's all these processes on the surface, and we certainly want to educate them and let them know that a lot's going on and 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 highlight these things to differentiate you know our value and what we're actually doing. Um, just like you know, if your doctor just gave you the, I mean, you may just want to hear the answer, but you might want to know, look, I looked at all this data and these tests, and this is where we compared and. And so we we really think this is what's going on based on all this, you know. So they're looking, you're looking to that person or that team for years to you know, years of experience to integrate and give you a conclusion. So we do all that, but we think it's it's really important. And we we also like for our clients to understand all those things that that we're doing. That I, I remember getting hired years ago by a, um, you know, very successful law firm to manage their 401k, and I started explaining it a little bit and they were like whoa 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 hey we we just wanted to know there was a process so i love that so yeah there's quite a process it's really about our our process and then ultimately if people want to introduce us or you know it invariably comes up someone will say maybe i'm not that happy with their advisor do you know someone or or they're looking for someone a lot of times they'll say yeah talk to rob or you know we they'll say he's a great guy or yada, yada, but we'd really like them to say, no, he has this, you know, explain a little bit more. He really has this process. They use this process, stacking, all these detailed things. We like to take them under the hood, but, you know, it's a holistic overall process that also looks at the individual too, but all those things are important and all of them matter. And um, we're paying attention to those things and we're, we're making sure they're on course. And if they're off course a little bit, you know, it's not that we necessarily need huge wholesale changes. Sometimes it's small little tweaks or course corrections that can put us right back on track. So, so that's kind of how that works. Tell
1: yeah. me more about um, some of the processes you're using. There's one that really caught my eye, this check a month strategy.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, well, I've, uh, basically, we've been in a really low interest rate for an extremely long time. Even, even going back to 2008, and now we're at record low rates, interest rates. And so I remember when I started in this business, you know, over 20 years ago, in a simple money market, you could make 6%. Oh, my okay, God, so
1: there was, you can do that now. <laughs> for,
2: you know, virtually no risk, not not zero, but pretty much none. So there was $60,000 a year if you had a million dollars or you're the, you know, this millionaire next door. Today you'd be lucky to get $60 a year. I mean, I literally see it with accounts with big amounts of cash and it's just, you know, or your interest for the month, you know, six cents. You know, that's not, that's not gonna work. That's been an ongoing issue and it's really made it difficult on, on savers, on retirees, on people who, who maybe want some more conservative type strategies. And it's kind of forced people to be, to take on a little bit more risk. So, And we know inflation is there, okay? We, we see it all the time. Everywhere I look around, prices are going up. The, p- the price of the postage stamp just went up apparently on uh, Sunday or Monday of last week. So that's a small little thing, but everything's going up. And they, they like to tell you that it, it's not, but it is. So, so interest rates remain extremely low from a historical perspective. There's a thing called the U.S. 10-Year Treasury. That's the government bond, ten-year Treasury bond. It's at 1.225%. That's as of eight of, uh, seventeen or August 17th of 2021, according to Darcy Wrights, Darcy Wright and Associates. So, this environment makes it difficult for investors to generate significant incomes through their fixed income holdings, which can be problematic for those with a requirement for for a steady stream of income from their portfolio, like retirees. And I have a lot of these folks who do rely on it, or maybe they've retired and they've pivoted to where they want some steady steady income off their portfolio. So as a result, um, I've had to look outside of fixed income to meet their income needs. And, and while Many of us are indifferent to whether our returns come from sort of price appreciation or return of the income from, say, a dividend or interest. And they can simply forgo the yield when fixed income or high yield stocks are out of favor. This is not always the case for those who rely on their portfolio for monthly income. So so for those folks, one strategy I use is I call it the check a month strategy. I'm, I'm getting to your questions, but I want to explain you know, the low interest rate environment, why it's so necessary. So the check-a-month approach involves buying a group of high-yielding quarterly dividend-paying stocks with a dividend payment spread across the quarter so that the client receives a dividend check each month. When building a check-a-month portfolio, it's essential to, to select not only high-yielding stocks, but also stocks with a healthy relative strength picture, that, that process I just described, um, to stack the odds of, of future performance in their favor because after all um you know clients not going to be impressed if they're getting a yield of three and a half percent but the portfolio is down 15 that's that's just a horrible trade-off and and the reality is i see cl- i see a lot of folks coming looking for the highest yielding type things you know six seven eight percent there might be a huge amount of risk there and there's a really good risk of principal loss and, and i see a lot of articles in um you know, mainstream media touting these really high yield stocks that some of them are just not healthy from a relative strength or technical picture and you're chasing yield. So you're putting yourself at extreme risk. So that's part of our process. So to help you understand a little bit better, the last couple of weeks, I did some diligence looking at only dividend stocks that were yielding like three and a half percent or higher. And I I took as a universe, what's called the S&P 500. 1,500. This is the 1,500 largest stocks in the U.S. And um, I found there's 156 stocks that are yielding more than 3.5%. So really, you know, about 10% of those stocks. But when I went and drilled down further to stocks that had uh, a strong relative strength picture and a strong fundamental picture, we're, we're really looking at about 23 stocks out of 1,500. So it's a really select list. But the point is that process is in place to identify those, weed out the stuff that isn't good, and then we can discuss that with our clients. But that's that's sort of it. That check a month, a lot of people rely on the income. I've had some other folks that maybe they're doing fine in retirement, but a little bit of additional income would be good. And, and sometimes we just have it journaled off straight to their, their checking account at an outside bank or whatnot they really appreciate it. It just sort of smooths over things for them. But but that's a process. And, and I do want just, to just to really frame where we're at right now. As of data I saw about a week or two ago from First Trust, uh, August 17th of 2021, there's $4.5 trillion of money now sitting in money markets. This is an all-time high. They're essentially paying zero percent. So there are a lot of folks looking to have a conversation around this. Some good advice, some solutions. I'm doing a lot of this, and I'd be happy to discuss with clients, you know, or anybody who's in this situation. It's it's an awful lot of people. It's affected a whole gen- couple generations. People are still concerned about valuations, but where does their income come from? And if they're earning zero with inflation, with taxes, they're they're going to lose in the long run purchasing power. So they ought to be having a conversation of what kind of strategies, um, you know, make sense.
1: Well, as we're wrapping this up, uh, we're, we're coming up against the clock. Is there anything else you'd like to add, but also make sure you tell people how to get in touch with you to have this conversation?
2: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, to get in touch with me, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on social media, Facebook. You know, you can email me curtis C-U-R-T-I-S-S, at S-E-I-A dot com. You can find my firm's website, SEIA, uh, you know, out of Pasadena or Century City. I have a series of videos on there, about two-minute videos that go into a lot of these processes in depth. These podcasts are, you know, I think I think they're including some show notes in there of how people can get yes, in touch they with are me, they are yeah. So so those are good ways to get in touch. And please like, you know, rate, subscribe, review. It was really great getting that feedback from the client. And I I heard something great the other day from some authors they said whatever authors really appreciate feedback even if it's you know good or bad they want to hear what people are thinking <laughs> yes. so i'm i'm the same but but trying to wrap up of late i've been I've been reflecting a lot on sort of the silver linings related to the covid lockdown and engaging with a lot of folks and friends and family to to see what those are for them um, and most folks i you know i talk with sort of agree there's some definite silver linings they've seen in their life and things they became more of value, you know, to them or aware of and that they ever realized before. So, so for me, it's simply been a wonderful reset with respect to getting out of my comfort zone on a regular basis and focusing on what's really important, sort of health, you know, self-care, put, putting the oxygen mask on yourself first before you right. try and help right. the passenger next to you. You know, family, clients, the community I serve. Throughout this time, I've had tremendous personal growth on many levels, worked really hard to further refine and improve our internal and outward-facing client processes. And the Millionaire Next Door podcast and, and several of the videos I mentioned are, you know, are examples of this. So please, you know, share them if, if you think they're relevant. I hope they're helping during this time. And and also, you know, we're still in the midst of uh, a pandemic and a Delta variant. You know, I, I really do encourage you, though, to take some time and think about the silver linings you might have experienced, you know, during this process. What are they?
1: That is a great thought to end this with, Rob. Rob Curtis of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. Make sure you follow the podcast, The Millionaire Next Door, just like Rob said. You'll get the latest show, share with friends. Yep. Give us her comments, too. We want to know what you're thinking. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC.